Ladies and gentlemen, you are now tuned into Mogul Talk, a podcast that serves as a canvas for entrepreneurs to share their triumphs and struggles on their journey to becoming the moguls of tomorrow. Welcome back to another illustrious episode of Mogul Talk. This is your boy Church. And this is your boy King Jules. And you are now tuned into episode 304. And you say 304? Wow, that's it? That's only where we're at? Yes, unfortunately, we're only at 304, but we're back at it again one more time. We apologize for the hiatus, but it's a new year, 2020. You know, sometimes things happen, but we're never going to leave y'all. We're always going to be here for you. So thank you guys for tuning in. Um, and we just hope you're here with the ride for the rest of the summer, for the rest of the year. <laughs> the rest of the summer. <laughs> it's June. It's June. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Summer energy all year long. Summer hell yeah, hell yeah. 2020. I need that summer bod. Um, no, nah, but yo, we're back. Uh, I think that, you know, we, had, we, we we came out on a strong start, I would say, season three. Um, 100%. Three episodes. Um, you know, life is so unpredictable. You know, you expect that life will be one way um i i always say because i'm a christian man that you know you your plan is not god's plan and you're, you're very surprised on how yeah quickly his plan changes for you we can plan all we want we can do all the things that we say that we want to do and it doesn't happen according to plan so um in the words of drake god's, god's plan. plan um uh, before we continue though i just want to give a shout out to um my boy Derek jeter Swagger. Got inducted into the Hall of Fame. Most definitely. Uh, with a 99.7 acceptance from the people who voted. Yes, yes. Mr. Yes. November. Yankee Strong. Um, and then, you know, just shout out to him. He's one of the greatest players, in my opinion. Especially of our generation. Um, most definitely. Um, you know, with... Black. Yes. Uh, doesn't really have any scandals. Doesn't have any. Clean record. Um, people still say he was a little bit of a dick, but that's just baseball. You get angry, whatever. Yeah, 100%. Um, he, uh, they said Kobe was a dick too. Mamba mentality. What? They said LeBron was a dick. Michael Jordan. Michael one Jordan of the biggest ones. But when you're the goat, you're gonna be a dick because people hate on you. They hate on the energy you're creating. But there's some good goats that are nice, like 100%. Elon Musk. Steve Jobs though was like a dick. Well, Disney was probably a dick. I think I don't think it's that you're a dick. You just that you're focused passionate and your mentality is so. Your your energy is so focused. Your mental is so focused. Your emotional is so focused on the task at hand, doing your job and being the best at what you're doing, that people don't understand that. And there's only a select yeah. people that are going to understand it. They say Kanye is is an asshole because Kanye is the GOAT. Kanye is the GOAT. You know how much stuff processing that is the, in his mind? The thing is, like, you know, there's just different frequencies, man. Like, yeah. And not if, everybody's on the same level. If you are listening to 90.1... You can't be listening to 93.1. It's not going to connect. If you have an 18-watt plug-in and the wall outlet doesn't support 18 watts, you're not. it's not going to coincide. So we just, not everybody's on the same wavelength and we may not be able to understand, like... Where they are. It's how, like, different dimensions that, like, here, gravity works one way. We are able to walk normally. But on another planet, it doesn't work that specific on way. On Earth 57, life is totally different. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Multiple fucking universes. That, that's a metaphor for life right there. And so, you, or even if at the microscopic level, where like you're with working with atoms and strings and stuff, stuff and math works 100% differently there as well. You're, we're just not in that like dimension or wavelength, like I said. So, to put 
say that someone is just like a dick is very um what's the word uh not the opposite of accepting dismissive it's dismissive, it's dismissive. i feel like you they pigeonhole you because they say you can't be anything besides a dick um I even say people try to pigeonhole you and try to say you can't change, you know, Um, and I think this is a perfect conversation for just the new year. Um, You know, we we always say we were talking about this episode 303, you know, like waiting, not waiting to the new year to find a new year. But sometimes and I somebody told this to me probably a couple of weeks ago and they were like, you know, asking about New Year's resolutions and goals and everything. And um, they were like, what do you have planned? And I was like, well, I don't have anything quite planned at the moment. And they were like, it's okay because every day is a new year. It's a Once, new opportunity of course. for you to start fresh. And I think that people forget that like you can change. We grow and develop every seven years. So that person that you might have thought you knew or you've grown to known or the, the goat that you think that you have all figured out, they might change it up real quick and just say, hey, I'm a totally different person. If you look at Mace... Mace is a perfect example. Oh, God. Mace was the top of the game rapper right at, right in the end of the 90s. Har- Harlem World, everybody loved that album in the 90s. Everybody loved him. Mans came out of nowhere and was like, I'm going to be a pastor. The only thing I don't fuck with Mace is that he went back to being a rapper again, and then back to a pastor, and then back to a rapper again. I mean, but nobody said that you can't be a rapper and you can't be a pastor. Facts. Um, look at, um, what's his name? Uh... Ah, uh, no, I can't think of his name. Michael Eric Dyson. He's a reverend and he's a rapper. Yeah. Um, and this other guy who's OD extreme, 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 extreme pro black, uh, Doctor Umar Johnson. Mm-hmm. I believe he's a reverend as well, and he's a rapper, mm-hmm. and he's actually a pretty good rapper. Has a group and tours and everything. Um, but I, so that's even what Kanye was talking about, where he was like that he became a Christian. People told him he can't be a rapper, and mm-hmm. I think that people try to pigeonhole you, and they only try to hold you to that one place that you're in, that one thing that they know about you. So if you are that rapper, they only want that from you. They don't want to see you grow. They don't want to see you be the mogul. They don't want to see you. look. Even look at Rihanna, bro. Like people are so caught up on the fact that she didn't drop an album in 2019. Sis is like probably one of the richest, if not the richest, woman in music right now. She's like cementing it like she's putting the seeds that are gonna grow in like 20 years That's, that will make her billionaire status like like billions savage fenty that that alone uh the finney beauty collections um just a fenty luxury label you she, know what i mean the things that like we i think we as a culture we were so used to getting the breadcrumbs and when yeah. it came to partnerships and deals right so michael jordan is was the pinnacle of like end all be all deals. Michael Jordan got a deal with Nike. Everybody wearing Jordans. Everybody got his product right. And then you started seeing other rappers. You know, you had Run DMC yep. with Adidas. You had um, some people with Puma. Some people were Reebok. And every company was trying to get their own piece of the pie to get that artist that was going to represent their brand. You see it now. Where look at the Kanye West, look at the the um, Beyonces of the world, look at the Rihannas of the world. People who are taking that landscape and partnership, and it's like, no, this is my own. I want that ownership stake. This is bigger Facts. than just one collaborative collection. I should be eating off of this all the time. You know what I mean? And with that being said, it's like you're moving beyond that threshold of just saying this is just a collab that I'm gonna make a hundred thousand dollars off mm-hmm, of. Mm-hmm. No. I'm going to run my own beauty line. This is where it's going to sell. You're going to be in partnership, so you're going to help me, but I'm the owner. I own the beauty. I own the the lingerie collection. I own the um, luxury label. And now that I own all of this, y'all going to be coming to me because who's the most talked about? Right. My name is already big because of music. Now I now she she mastered the formula. 
become an artist, take that money, invest that money, Facts. take that money, invest into your own self, invest into your own companies, and now look at what it's going to pay back in a few years. Shout out to Camilla Nair. Now, um, it is beautiful to see because, you know, as people of color, we have been like set back, you know, uh, GI Bill, not giving us houses, mm-hmm. um, us not, be, our parents not teaching us that much about finances because they're worried about getting food on the table. Um, not us specifically, but you know, everybody in America. And I think now, like, artists that are, are up there are teaching about that ownership. Chance the Rapper, staying independent mm-hmm. forever. Um, and now he can go back like Mac Miller did. Mac Miller dropped like four albums while independent. And then he joined a major label. Um, but you, you can maintain your independency in partnership with a major yes, label. Yes, joint venture. Because you have independency with your label, but then you might be in a distribution deal mm-hmm. with the label, you know, with a bigger label or whatever. Maybe. Don't get me wrong. Independency is fine. And you can be with a major label and still eat and still make money. Yeah, yeah. It's all about how you're managing your paper. It's all about how you're managing the business. And not a lot of people are teaching how to manage Yes, yes. And we should be looking at the people that made the mistakes, the people who walked in there, got $150,000 advances, $300,000 advances, a million dollar advances. Which is just a loan. Just a loan. And it's 10% them. is going to your manager. 50% is probably going to your lawyer. So that's twenty five percent. That's if you think about the um, the breakdown of just what comes out like automatically. Ten percent goes to your manager, fifteen percent goes out to your lawyer, right? Then if your di- distribution, you got a distribution dis- your distribution company has a percentage. Mm-hmm. That percentage comes out, right? Taxes, taxes. So it's like let's say that's thirty percent. So so realistically, that's fifty percent of your money, and that's just a loan, right? So say you under, and I think we talked about this before. Say you're under a sub label, right? Say mm-hmm. you're under. Say you're signed to a three hundred that's signed to. A bigger label under Universal, or then they're under um, or Sony. I think Atlantic. Yeah, yeah, it's one of them. Three hundred is under Atlantic, I think. Yeah. So you're you're under a smaller label that's under a bigger label. Yep. So Atlantic got to get their cut. Warner got to get their cut. The the bigger labels got to get their cut of the pie. So at at the end of the day, your percentage is so low because you took that stake, you took that advance, right? But what if you do and say, you know what? I don't want to take your advance. I just want help with distribution and marketing with my project. I'm going to advance it. I'm going to pay for the videos. I'm going to pay for the studio time. I'm going to coordinate the producers that I want. I want to do everything that I want on my terms, right? If you do that, you're not giving them ownership stake. You're just saying this is partnership. So you're giving me partnership and you're helping distribute my project, but I paid for it already. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily need you guys, but I know that if I'm smart, I'm going to take this to kind of plateau me in the next level, you know? Certainly, certainly. And that's really like what I think is what's all that information should set up what your next decade should be because we want to work this decade. It's, you know, decades a long time, but the last two just went by like nothing. Mm -hmm. So this decade, we're going to want to work. So our next decade is so like is so flourishing that we don't even, we can't even imagine. We want to do that decade challenge. And I think with ownership and partnering with other people who have the same vision or can help you with your vision will allow you to succeed in that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what, But you do need kind of a plan and always pivot. That's why when you say like, oh, God. Um, you never know what he has intended for you. You have to pivot when those moments come. Yeah. And you have to switch, which we've done so many, so I many think, times. Like 
this year was uh, not even just this this year. Just talking about twenty nineteen at whole and whole in general was a pivot year. I think that for a lot of people and just me speaking personally, there was a pivot year because there were so many obstacles that were thrown at us and. I, 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 it took a lot of learning. It was a learning curve. I think what's awesome, though, what went well, there was that, you know, with the learning curve. But I feel like 2019 was kind of your DJ year. Like, you were, you were, I, I, I def- you were spinning a lot. I, I definitely think that for me, per, like, uh, if I speak personally, yeah. professionally, I say professionally, I think that 2019 opened more doors for me to see what I really wanted to do. Because I think I in 2019, I was at a point where I didn't know... I wasn't fully walking in my purpose. And I think I've been talking about this a lot recently and walking in your purpose and understanding. Like, there's... When you, you are a jack of all trades, you know how to do so many different things. You get caught up with trying to do everything, a little bit of everything. But you can't master a little yeah. of everything. And I think in 2019, especially towards the end of 2019, I kind of came more full circle and understanding, like who I wanted to be personally, who I wanted to be professionally, and it's kind of grounded me. And I think that's what I needed all of 2017, 2018, mm. and, and 2019 taught me some of those hard lessons to be like, yo, like, this is what you're meant to be doing. Like, all that extra stuff, all those extra things and moves that you're trying to make, like, they didn't necessarily work. And maybe you should refocus your energy and going back to the basics. What um, What made you realize that? Was it, like... Because also a big part of your 2019 was you got promoted and work. Yeah, so I think that... How much did that help? If it did at all, you um, know? Your schedule changed a little bit. Maybe you got a little bit more cash. So definitely 20, the end of 2019 was definitely like a huge shift for me. Um, and it's actually probably the roughest time. So 2019, I got engaged. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. Like I forgot my, about that. My biggest thing that happened. Um, beautiful thing. We finally set a, a date for the wedding. Um, so all of you guys who are actually invited, you will get an invite soon. But if you did it. If you did it. You ain't you get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so that was that. And I think from there, from I think from getting engaged, I feel like I had to step up to the plate a little bit more because mm. I feel like. Now I'm not preparing for the next year or 10 years in my life as a single person, like as Julian by myself. Now I'm preparing and setting up the next year and 10 years of my life to my future with my yeah. partner. Yeah. So my focus was not about just me anymore. It was like, hey, what do I got to do so we can go to the next level? Um, because a lot of people don't understand. And I learned this in that year and just a year before is that when you get married, uh, the marriage is a business partnership. Yes. Um, you are merging yourself financially, um, emotionally, physically, um, spiritually, spiritually with, with the same person. So when you do that, you kind of got to be ready. And I realized after the engagement that I was not ready, like personally, I was ready to get married. But as an individual, Julian wasn't ready in my job circumstance. I wasn't mm-hmm. ready in my financial circumstance. I wasn't ready in my emotional circumstance. I wasn't even ready in my mental circumstance. Um, and I think the rest of the year that followed kind of opened more doors to that where hey i turned 25 that summer last yeah. summer um that was a huge eye-opening thing because i was dreading 25 i was scared of 25 because i told myself for years that 25 i'd be i'd have my first grammy and I'd be doing this and i'd be doing that and to realize that at 25 i'm just at a bowling alley hanging out with my friends <laughs> um we having a party you know a chill party for, with, the, with the crew or whatever you know it was a different 
order than what I had planned, but I wouldn't have planned it any differently because those were some, like, leading up to that, I needed to learn some of those lessons with, you know, this, us getting engaged, then turning 25. And then I would say September, transitionally September, I did something that was freaking radical in my mind was I told my boss that I wasn't personally invested in my job. Mm. My boss had a conversation with me and I was like really over my job. It was a really like breaking point, you know, with the location that I was working in. And I told my boss, I said, this job is not challenging for me. And I'm going to be 100 percent honest. I said that I come here. I do what I need to do. I support the team as much as I can. I do a good job where you guys think that I'm killing it. But emotionally, mentally, I said, I'm miserable. I said, I'm not challenged. I said, I'm not going anywhere. I feel like I'm just hit this plateau. And my boss took that feedback. And I told him, I said that for me, I said, music has always been my number one thing. But I said, I think it took a backseat to me focusing on, you know, doing stuff at job yeah. at my job or whatever. And then, you know, I talked to my boss and she was a little bit understanding of the situation and she was just trying to see I was like, in the next five years, I don't necessarily want to be with this company. I don't want to do this job anymore. Um so my focus and I was candid with her, I said, I'm gonna be looking for other jobs. And she said, Well, while you're looking for other jobs, what can I do to help you and make your job work experience better? And I just told her, I was like, well, I, I need something to do, you know, and it gave me some tasks and I did some extra stuff and I felt a little bit of a challenge where I felt like I was more useful and Definitely. More, I had more responsibility. Um, and then, then that kind of led me on to getting my promotion. But at the same time of getting my promotion, my grandmother was getting sick mm -hmm. and, you know, um, it was unfortunate to the point where, you know, she eventually passed. Um, and that broke me because my grandmother, she was my last living grandparent. She was my number one advocate, um, one of my biggest fans. Um, I'm just probably getting choked up just even talking about this on oh, right now. But for her, me, losing her was kind of like losing a big part of my soul. And I think for me, this is the first loss that I've suffered mm -hmm. that I was an adult and I was completely aware. Yeah, You know, I suffered loss when I was, you know, like 18, 19, 20, but... I wasn't aware because you're 18, 19, 20, you're, you're still a kid. You're like, Oh, mm -hmm. you know, that person's gone. But this is a, a loss that like, as an adult, I'm created a personal relationship. So that impacted me a lot. So trying to balance, taking on that responsibility of the new promotion, losing my grandmother, and then trying to figure out just like, what is the meaning of life and all the circumstances yeah. that comes to that. I think that was my biggest challenge, but it's also gave me the clearest level of focus because I had challenged myself when I took on the role was I said, you, I told my boss, I said, I've not really been invested in this job. And she knew that. And I said that I'm going to give the next three months working in this position, everything that I got, my full attention, energy, support, anything that I can do to really knock this job out of the park and really own it and just really commit to it and commit to something other than myself and what my personal needs are. That is kind of what sparked the creativity in me that sparked the new, just the energy and my focus, mm. because I was like, yo, if I want to, if I'm going hard in my job, I'm going to go hard at everything else. Like the, the way that I'm going hard in my job, I'm going to go hard in my personal relationship, um, um, my personal relationship with Allison, my personal relationship with God, going hard in my personal relationship with music, bro. I was going and making beats a day. And yes. Doing all this extra stuff. And like, I'm shout like, out to Lavender. 
Shout out to Lavender Dropped on Spotify Apple Music All the podcasts All, 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 all everywhere Okay Go get that John Okay <laughs> um, But that kind of pushed me To go every Like To go harder In everything that I was doing um, And don't get me wrong It was difficult I felt my I had my breaking points Times where I was like I don't even know What I'm doing Blurred lines Like just really clouded judgment at points, but it challenged me to kind of really see things at a different scope and want want more. Yeah. You know, and want more than where I am. And also kind of being complacent where I am because we rush too much. And I think that in my process of just hating my job, I didn't appreciate where I was right now. Yeah. I, was like, I didn't take the skills and say like, oh shit, like this is a new role and a new responsibility. These are skills that I can take and learn and like transfer that over into what I'm doing in music and my responsibilities like I wasn't thinking with that scope because I was only thinking about myself and my own selfish needs and what do I say before it was all about my plan it wasn't about yeah. God's plan and I think I shifted my focus where it was like being more intentional with the things that I was doing being more intentional in my personal relationship with God where I was like not even asking for stuff you know how sometimes like we pray and we talk to god and we're asking like god do this for me god i want this god i want that and it was just like i don't want anything and just being more having a greater sense of gratitude and understanding of like where i am in my personal circumstance and saying you know what this is a temporary situation and i i watched this interview with tom hanks where he was talking about like um the saying, this too shall pass. And I thought that was super strong. Like, you know, your hard times, your circumstances, this too shall pass. Yes. Your good times and your happiness, that will pass. Because like he said, time is a complex structure that's consistently changing. And everything can't always be perfect. And everything can't always be sad. Um, it won't always be sad. But if you have a greater understanding of the balance between those things, that's when you start to go places. And that's where I am right now, where my understanding is like I have a good balance of those mm. two things. And I feel like doors and things are happening organically in conversations and just more clarity. And it's not the timeline that I want. It's not moving as fast as I want, but I'm just waiting. I'm patient. I'm just sitting here and the time is going to come. There's no rush for that time because, hey, why rush for that time? Because in a few years, we're going to be begging for that, for that time, time back. back. You know? So Yeah, yeah. you ask any billionaire what they would, what they really want, and they would like to buy time. I yeah. promise you that's the case. So, 100%. Something that, like you said, uh, uh, like when you're an adult and you realize people's like mortality, like Aziz Ansari on his comedy special, one of his, like, it's not a joke, but he's just like, you ever realize that you don't really see your parents that much anymore? You're like, four, let's say I'm, he's like, I'm 40 years old right now. I'm pretty sure I'm only going to see, I only see my mom like 10 times a year. So she's like 70. So I guess I have like 300 more times and I'm probably going to see her. And then when I pull up, we just watch the mass Singer, have dinner. My dad is like, hey, how was your day? I'm just like, hey. And that's it. We barely talk. And then I leave and I go to my hotel. And now that's 299 more times mm -hmm. that I'm probably going to see around. And it's mad sad thinking about that. Yeah. Um, sometimes, like, I wonder, like, because, of course, like, I need my motivation. But sometimes I think uh, what I don't know why, but I feel like what holds me back sometimes is like worrying, like, what my mom's going to think. Mm -hmm. And if she weren't here, like, oh, 
maybe I, I'm not, I don't have to worry no more. I can do whatever the fuck I want now, mm-hmm. even though I do do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why, like, sometimes that has, like, gone through my head, like, of it being so worried of, like, what my mom think when I know for a fact that she just loves you yeah. no matter what. Like, you are made it out the crib, you got your degree. Um, she's going to love you no matter what decision you make, mm-hmm. no matter it. It, unless you're like going to jail, killing someone, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Even then, like your um, parents still love you because at the end of the day, she gave birth to you. Yeah, and I think that my understanding of just that personal relationship between the mother and the child is a little bit different too. Of course, um, because I I didn't have the strongest relationship with my mother for a while, and um, as I've gotten older, our relationship has gotten better, and my understanding in our personal relationship has gotten better. And I I was I I was there like a few years ago where I was always worried about what my mom thought and I got to a point where I was just like well am I worried about what my mom thought or worried about where I know what I should be doing Mm -hmm. and I should be doing more because I want to get to the level where I know that without her saying it I'm making my mom proud yeah she's proud of the decisions I made she's proud of what I'm doing so it's like in the back of my head you're like well this is what she thinks but she's she's over here happy you know happy mm-hmm. for you supporting you she sees what you're doing she sees you're working hard sees you you know got your own apartment sees you you know moving along nice. in life and seeing everything that she wanted because at the end of the day like our parents all they wanted for her, their kids was to send their kids to college yeah. for their kids to do more than what they, they did. did and we've already succeeded that you know what I mean we've already succeeded exceeded the egg um surpass as the better word surpass their expectations of us so now it's kind of like well now that we've surpassed our parents expectations how can we surpass our own expectations? Yes. you know and i think that's probably where you're at yeah, you're like, yeah. Well, how can i surpass that next level of just saying like oh i'm worried about what my mom thinks and say you know what i've already done that what's how can i get back yeah to yeah, yeah, yeah. Level, you know you know when you get finally get to that point where like you can send sh- money to your mom at any point like one day like i want to get to that point we both want to get to that point and when we have our children i mean do you think our children would be able because i'm hoping we get to a level where um it'll be pretty hard for our children to surpass us i don't want them to be lazy because that's not happening um most definitely uh like hopefully we can raise our children how our parents raised us because i think we turned out okay no definitely just like we have our issues we have our mental issues but we made it somehow somehow we made it to this point we did and and that's god's plan that is god's plan and it's like you can kind of see like look at all the different levels like you just have like you got to pull like you pull back that that fourth wall that like you know that what is it what they call it fourth wall yeah yeah. breaking the fourth wall breaking the fourth wall you break that fourth wall and you understand and have that sense of clarity to see like hey this is where i am like i think about it in like um marvel context where dr strange like leaves his physical body Mm -hmm. and see the balance of time and like his actions outside of it and it's the same way like we can't physically do that because we're not superheroes and we don't have the abilities that he has but to say to take that step back and see you know what like where where is life right now mm-hmm. and that's a super important question and i think we're we're in that transitional point because we moved out of that 18 to 24 age yeah. where 18 to 24 you can fuck up all you want you know where now we're in a 25 to 34 age group yeah and that age group there's a little bit more pressure because now you're no longer a kid you no longer fall in the realm where you can crutch on your parents you know you 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 fail right now and you look at your parents they're like 
yo, you're 25. Like, what yeah. are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, you should have it a little bit more put together. But my dad had me at 25. He exactly. was 25. So and I can't even fathom having a kid right now. Mm-hmm. Can't even, like, what? And he had me at 25? Well, my parents had me at, my, my dad was 27 and my mom was 28 when mm. I was born. So you think about it now, like, you're entering that age group where having children is normal now. Yeah. Getting married is normal now, where the expectations are a little bit higher. And that sometimes we could put pressure on ourselves to say, like, we got to live up to those expectations. But it's all about your own pace. Facts. It's not about the expectations because we see it in the rap. Like our formula is the rap industry. You know, everything we've done, even though it's connected to music or even our endeavors outside of music, it's connected back to rap. Our parallels are Jay-Z. Our parallels mm-hmm. are Kendrick Lamar. Our parallels are Kanye West, where they didn't get on until they were 26, 27, 28 years old. Or First album, 26, I ain't need no deal. So with that, we're looking at them and we're like, all right, we got time. We got time. Yeah. There's no rush. But there is always that pressure that feels like, hey, Kevin, you got to do this yeah, right yeah, now, yeah. you know? And we always say, you know, that's always social media. Mm-hmm. Especially now, like, social media plays such a big part in that, seeing everybody else. Um, but one thing, like, I fucked with, like, I feel like, you know, our homegirl Gabby, um, who uh, dates Desiree, she, I felt like, was posting OD, like, trying to show that, uh, like, her life was spectacular. And she took a cleanse, I saw. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was, like, a year or, like, eight months. And but she's, and she came back, and she's still killing it. She's still, like, traveling and is living that lavish life. But she didn't need to tell anybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure now people who were looking at her before didn't. I'm sure some people felt pressure. Like, damn, why don't I have a relationship why, like why, that? Why, why, like why don't I have a clothing line like that? Why am I not traveling like that? Um, and so I do fuck with, like, you know, her, like, I guess, taking that cleanse and being humble. But it can also be inspirational. It's, a, it's that balance, like you say. Mm-hmm. Um you got to find that balance. Shout out to Travis Scott. And you are balanced. Find, find your balance. balance. God says it, it, my challenge. Um, Sprinkle little seeds on the salad. What, what I had to say to that was my therapist was talking about um, how social media plays a role in what we do and plays a role in the shell that we portray to people. Yeah. And we try so hard to portray this shell of like, we got it figured out. Life is so good. And I feel like just our age group alone, we're doing that where we got to flex the trips we're going on. We flex in the apartment we got. We get flex in the car we got. But there's when I, the way I look at social media now is like, your shit ain't that much together. Nobody's mm-hmm. shit is that too, that together. Like, Impossible. You're not living lavish where you're on trips to Bali all the time and Tokyo and all these <laughs> different places. Like, you're not doing that all the time. Your life is not that cookie cutter. But, like, it, it, that, that's where social media plays a role where it creates that sense of alternative reality. Yes. Like, that's our social media is our version of Sims. Yes. Remember our parents, our parents loved Sims because it made them feel like they had some other reality. Like social media is our alternative reality where you can be facts. You can be whatever you, you want. want, you know? And it's like and that do you realize you translate the person your online personality into your personal personality mm-hmm. and then you start to lose your sense of self yes. and become somebody else, yes. you know? And you become, like, a caricature of yourself because you think you have to keep up this facade for all time. Like, Martin Lawrence, um, people are like, yo, how come in interviews you're not, like, that funny or whatever? And he's like, oh, I'm shy in real life. Like, yeah, on stage and in shows and in movies, I'll be funny. 
But in real life, I'm like shy. Like I don't want to. He didn't even go on Bad Boys Two press run, mm. um, because he didn't really want to. Now he regretted it. He went on Bad Boys Three press run, but um, he didn't. He didn't want to succumb to the like when Gary Coleman everybody was asking him, "Come on, say like what are you talking about, Willis?" Like mm-hmm. or um, making uh, was a Shiggy dance all the time. You know, he didn't let that happen. He would just stay in hiding. He didn't, he didn't want to be a coon. Nah. And um, I respect that so much, man. Like, but it takes so much self-awareness and for you to do that. Because at some point you might have like, uh, it's not Stockholm Syndrome. Is um, when you feel like you don't, like if you're at a, a certain position, you don't feel like you're supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot what it's called, but uh, it's what a lot of people go through. Like, oh, why am I here? I shouldn't be here. When you reach so much success, is it a survivor's remorse? Is it survivor's remorse? Nah, it's um, it's something syndrome. Bystander? No, nope, I'm not sure. Uh, I'll look it up at some point. And Martin Lawrence, it seems, it seems like he didn't suffer from that. Mm-hmm. He went through other shit, you know, um, especially the rumors with Tisha, um, and just him just trying to get back in the game. Um, it's crazy that in Bad Boys One, that which came out in nineteen ninety like three or nineteen ninety one maybe, that Martin Lawrence has three kids in the movie and he looks like he's twenty two. Yeah, and it's crazy that Bad Boys Two didn't come out until two thousand four. It took thirteen years, and then now it took sixteen years. Mm. But they're gonna make a Bad Boys Four, um, which I don't think will take another sixteen. No, because they can make the movies like three in three point five seconds. Yeah, you saw yeah, that yeah. the Tyler Perry movie was made in five days. Which one? The most recent one that everybody's um, talking about. The one on Netflix. A fall from grace. A fall yeah. from grace. I heard that shit is crazy. I heard it's very crazy too. Let me guess. It's about a rich black woman who needs a poor light skinned man to make her feel better. No, he... I think it's about <laughs> a scorned woman whose baby daddy probably be her. Um, now I'm not even gonna trash Tyler because we nah, know Tyler, no. but no, nah, we, we, we got to give him respects. We, we all know that Tyler's you know movies all had the same kind. He of just, but he's like before people used to clown him like, "Yo, Tyler, why are you putting on a dress?" But now, like to see the shit that he's built, it's so it's like immaculate. But nobody, see, that's a perfect point. Like nobody's gonna understand what you're doing. Until yep. it becomes the norm, you know and then they mean? fuck with you. You ever seen that? You know that video of Travis Scott, um, and back in 2013, I think he was at South by, and, and he's like on stage with Mike Dean, and, they, and he was performing in front of like 17, 17 people. people, and then ten of them were his friends and like other execs that he knew, and then like it was actual seven other people in the crowd, and he talks about it, and he was just like, look at him now, like he's selling out stadiums, domes, mm-hmm. has his own festival, but nobody understood what he was trying to do creatively until he until it became the norm even look at Basquiat bro nobody understood Basquiat and his mm-hmm. work until long after he died yeah, um, yeah. the same thing with Keith Herring like people didn't understand these creative people people don't understand creative people they're still trying to decipher and understand like that's why I feel like with the you, the comment you made about like Martin Lawrence and Shiggy and Gary Coleman like people don't understand that's the the stuff they want to see from us is the stuff that they understand yes like, the little like nicks and knacks where they can kind of like make fun of it or kind of use it until every last drop they can make a challenge out of it they can use it to be in their Spotify ads they can use it to be in their creative marketing whatever it may be Look at Cardi B's occur, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. that and run with it. You know, that that's the only <laughs> stuff that they understand, stuff that they can use and abuse 
for their own personal advantage and everything else is like, oh, like, I don't get it, you know, until or until another white person goes and does it. And it's oh, my yes. gosh, Christopher Columbus. <laughs> this is amazing. Like, I've, never, I've never had a chopped cheese he's before. He's the greatest rapper alive, but he's not. Yo, yo, shout out to Eminem. He just dropped a surprise album. That album was <laughs> fucking hot ass. Chill, Kevin chill. doesn't have nothing to say. Chill, <laughs> chill, chill. Darkness is hard. You know, he puts himself in the perspective of the Las Vegas shooter. No, but he has this one song, bro. Mad, mad cracker, bro. It's called Stepdad. And he the chorus, it goes, I hate my stepdad. Yo, it's just like mad cringy. <laughs> but like in the song, he like hates his stepdad because his stepdad like beat his mom and shit. But just like the chorus is like, I hate my stepdad. Like it sounds so white to me, you know? Even though like Why are you surprised? <laughs> and I'm like, it's so I'm cringy. Not, like, it's, why are you surprised? It's Eminem, bro. Like Shout out to shout out to the GOAT. Getting my M tat soon, you know. If you ever get an Eminem tattoo, I'm really gonna look at you crazy, bro. <laughs> like honestly, I'm really gonna look at you crazy. I don't know what it's gonna be, but um but yeah, nah. I'll never let anyone disrespect Eminem. It's all good though. He he has some pretty trash albums, especially Revival. Wow, Black I, Boy, Black Boy, they don't like the side of you. I want to make note of this on today's date. This is what twentieth, uh, uh, January twenty first, at approximately eight thirty three. <laughs> that Kevin admits that. Revival. Eminem has some trash albums. He has some trash songs. Okay, that's just all I want to hear. That's I never, I never, I'll never deny that. That's confirmation. Um. <laughs> so, Kevin, for you, like, what was 2019 um, in a nutshell? Like, what were the lessons that you learned on things that you can take, that you took into 2020 and that you're applying to your goals for this year? Um, I would say a few things. Uh, in 2019... Uh, I started doing mad overtime. I thought you were going to say I started doing coke. No, that, that happened a long time ago. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, guys. Um, I started doing mad overtime just because my mom always told me, like, hey, you never know when they're not going to have overtime. Um, and it allowed me to, like, save a lot of money, mm-hmm. um, money that I was able to use to, like, go to Columbia and um, got, like, uh, just like in Columbia, I just learned how. Cause I went to like my dad's city where he grew up, where I had never been to. It's like an, it's like ten hours from where my aunts and uncles live, and um, everybody there's uh, fucking level six mm-hmm. on the darkness scale. Like everybody's black there, mm-hmm. but you know, like in America, they like to tell Hispanics that like, oh, y'all not really like Afro at all. Um, and not that I'm trying to like claim like oh black power and things like that, but. Um, I do like to see that uh, where my roots came from and that there are people that look like them in America and in in South America. Mm -hmm. And because the slaves went to both places, Mm -hmm. um, the the Spanish people took them to both places. And so um, that really was just like eye opening to me. Just like, yo, like, nah, this confirms it Mm -hmm. that. um, I mean, when you look at you, you are Afro Latino. Facts. Um, yeah, exactly. Because there's some people who look at you and be like, oh, he's black. Mm-hmm. And there's some people who look at you and be like, no, he's Hispanic. This, this, this girl I was talking to recently, um, she like FaceTimed me and she was with her cousin. I was just like chilling. And then her cousin came into the picture and he's like, oh, yo, my man's is black. And then she was like, um, he's not black, he's Hispanic. And he's like, nah, like, look at him. He's like, I have a black father who's Hispanic. 
Um, cause I guess he was like black and white. Um, but it was just like eye opening in terms of like, okay, like nah, this confirms this shit for me. I don't have to worry about that no more. I don't have to like, so it gives you more I, clarity I, in your identity. And my identity. Cause yeah. I feel like I did battle with that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Allison has always like taught me like, yo, it don't matter what nobody says. Like you are who you are. Mm-hmm. And I do fuck with her for like telling me that one day. Um, because like, uh, people would be like, like one time I put a post, uh, of a picture you took of me. And it was like, oh, and it was, I wasn't smiling. And I was like, oh, people ask me why I don't smile in my pictures. Um, but I ain't going to smile until all my black people get their reparations. Mm-hmm. And then I got texts like, yo, why are you posting this? You're not even black. Mm-hmm. You're using the plight the, the, uh, of black people to try and get likes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, you know, my argument at the time was like, Oh, even if you don't consider me black, um, uh, I mean, uh, people of color do need allies. Mm-hmm. So what I am saying still stands. Mm-hmm. It's still a fact. Uh, but then I, when I told Allison that, Allison was like, nigga, shut up. You black guy. Like, <laughs> and it was just like, all right, I fuck with you, Allison, mm-hmm. for like saying shit like that. Because um, you, you don't like you don't you don't know your roots the only thing is that i just i just always feel weird being like saying like yo i'm black like because i never used to say it well so now we have definition to that and that's exactly that you're afro latino afro latino so it's it's more clarity and i think this is another instance where people don't understand it until it becomes normal yes yes they don't understand your heritage like i said it's it's not about you are more black facing than I than some black people that I know, you know what yeah. I mean? And it's not Malcolm about, Gladwell. It's not about you common know, <laughs> your the color of your skin or just the texture of your hair or whatever. Like it's about your roots. It's about your journey. Mm-hmm. And you know, yes, you know, you spent most of your life growing up predominantly with a Hispanic background. Yeah, speaking as, Spanish. As you've grown up, you understood the context of like, no, I, I come from African roots. And for you to see that, that's a huge because a lot of people don't understand that and they don't go back to their roots to understand mm-hmm. like, hey, you know what? No, there are people, I like, I'm not alone. And we live in America, right? Yeah. So for you, look, like, even look at um, Amara, Amara La Negra. She's a perfect example. And she's from Cuba, right? Nah, DR. DR, right? So DR, as much as Dominican people in New York try to play... I know black. I know black. I know black. <laughs> I know black. What's that? In DR, <laughs> there are black people... David Ortiz. David Ortiz is blacker than me, okay? <laughs> I'm telling you. But people in DR don't... Nah, it's because they all Haitian, bro. They, they, they are <laughs> derivatives. And they don't understand like how sometimes... We get the, their mix of the cultures. It is crazy that they on the same place. island and like Haitians, like any Haitian person would be like, "Yeah, I'm black." They on the dead ass on the same island, just divided by a line, um, pretty much the same people, but like Dominicans will go against that mm-hmm. to the grain. It's crazy that they on the same island and that happens. Like, but and, and it's just like that. It's just because they're uncomfortable with their identity. They don't understand their yeah. identity. Yeah, and and they've been taught that black is bad. Yep, and but that's all across the world. Yes, nobody wants to be black, but be black. You know, like there's some people who are a mixed race, whether it's Hispanic, they're white or Asian, where they don't want to identify with their black side on a regular. But like when it's convenient, that's when they want to take. They want to be the black person or the person of color 
or acknowledge their color. You know what I mean? I'll give you like a perfect example. And this is in my family because my both my parents, my mom and dad, they have a really, really black mom Mm -hmm. and like a white dad. So that's why they made their caramel. Mm -hmm. But my dad has like an OD white sister. Like she's like white because of just that's how they heard she came out. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't fuck really with like she does a little bit, but like she won't chill with like the rest of the fam. And my dad's dad's side, nobody from his like side fucks with um, the mom's side. Yeah, okay. um, yeah, like all those cousins and aunts that exist, I have they have no idea where they are. Mm-hmm. And my uncle was telling me he's like, yeah, he was like kind of an asshole in terms of like he thought he was superior, mm-hmm. which is crazy to me. And um, people, do and I never that. met him before. Um, but and then that like uh, branched off to his own daughter mm-hmm. who has um, tan uh, and brown skinned brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. She just happens to come out mad white. Mm-hmm. Um, but she sometimes does fuck with the fam. And it's just interesting. Like, it'd it be your own. It'd be your own you blood. Think about, think about the people, <laughs> like, people, like, black people, like, the whole separation between light skin and dark skin and how... Yeah, colorism. You know, it's the colorism, and it's brainwashed into us, you know what I mean? So there's always been that separation where they don't want us to acknowledge our identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and America and society always plays the role where they don't want us to, to see us win. They don't want us to see us night, unite and understand ourselves and understand our culture and our behavior, everything. Why do you think they spread us out so thin? You know what I mean? Facts. Why, why do you think we're spread out between Africa and North America and Asia and the Middle East and South America? They don't want us to all be unified the way we, we were because if we were unified... Look at the power that we would have yeah, in man. unification, you know? So that was kind of where they just took us and kind of just messed us up. Um, but I'm, I'm very proud of you for understanding that. And I think that's definitely something very eye-opening. Yeah, it definitely just was eye-opening, just to see it with my own eyes. Because mm-hmm. it took me 25 years to visit that island that my dad was actually from, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and uh, But yeah, that it was a beautiful thing. Um, so but, what has that lesson taught you about like your way forward whether that's personally or from a professional perspective like how are you going forward it truly just teaches me that like you always gotta seek the truth Mm -hmm. in anything um you can't like whether it be politics religion um even your own friends there's always there's three sides to everything the Mm -hmm. truth well his side her side and the truth Mm -hmm. um so that really just taught me that and then on top of that like i had a conversation uh, with my boy Kenneth, who he told me that he feels that like I've become a little bit complacent. That he used he used to see me as this ambitious person in college and in high school, like always like wondering what to do next, what to do next. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, really? Like you feel that way? And then he just told me this like last week. Um, he's like, yeah, man. Like I used to feel, I always felt like you were trying to do something, and I don't know if you are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am, and I'm not. Like I am just trying to, you know build this shit with you. Um, I am just trying to save money. I am just trying to go to Coachella. That is doing things. <laughs> but... Um, you ain't trying to see Frank. Oh, man. When I go see Frank... <laughs> I'm going to be so tight, though, because when I saw Frank at Panorama, um, the first song I ever heard high was Nova Came by Frank Ocean. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I had ever heard Frank Ocean as well. While my first time being high, heard Frank Ocean Nova Came. Changed my entire life. But mm-hmm. still... Go see Panorama. This is when he drops Blonde. I'm like, yo, I'm going to go see Frank Ocean. He's about to do Nova King. He's about to do Swim Good. 
Nothing. All he did was blonde. Damn. The only song he did was um, thinking of thing about you, mm. which is awesome. I love that shit. But no pink matter, fucking no novocaine. Like the shit that puts you on. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like damn. So you know, I, it was a beautiful performance. But the thing is, I just didn't really like listen to blonde as much at that point. Mm-hmm. Now I could go see blonde in live, and, and I'll know it, it yeah. and I'll appreciate it more. At the time, I just didn't. I really was looking forward to the older shit. I'm hoping, because I'm pretty sure he's going to drop another album soon. He did drop two singles recently. Um, and I'm just hoping he doesn't do that mm-hmm. only. I'm hoping he thinks about it. He's like, nah, let me do everything. Yeah. Especially at Coachella, because you're going to destroy it. But yeah, um, that's another thing that I want to work out. Like, find out. And I, I'm actually happy, like, of what you said. Like, you're like, I really don't have a plan yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did find that balance in how, and that balance will definitely move you forward. Yeah. I um, think, like... We all get complacent, and it's just because, like, when you're working a job that is not necessarily in the field that you want to work mm-hmm. in or something that you're not pass- passionate about, it's very easy for us to fall into the nine-to-five nine black hole where you just, hey, I'm going to work, coming home, and like, going to work, coming home. For me, before, because when I was just, like, a regular customer service representative, um, I would have to take calls every day. That was, like, kind of stressful. And I felt that, if I was still in that, I might want to push myself a little bit more on the outside. Because, like, nah, fuck that. Like, this shit is mad stressful. But now in the position I'm in, it's not stressful at all. Mm -hmm. It's way easy. Um, I got my team. We do what we got to do. Um, and I can, and I have no, I have no stress anymore from my job. Like I used, I used to be stressed in terms of like, oh man, I don't want to go there. I got to get out of there. I'm like, yo, I'm out of here by March. I'm out of here by June, no matter what. Now I'm just like, I'm here. I'm thankfully I'm able to pay my bills. And I guess I'm just sitting at this desk in this cubicle. Um, not wondering, not stressed. I'm stressing not. about it, and that that was me too because I was always looking for my exit plan. Mm-hmm. And then once I stopped looking for my exit plan, I think I, I that's when I kind of was just like, "Hey, like, there's no pressure." But when you put that that pressure on you yourself for the exit plan, that's when and that doesn't happen. That's what kills you because Facts. you feel like you have that sense of rejection and you're hurting your ego because you're like, "Damn, I thought I'd be out of here," and all the things that you thought were great about you, you're like, "Damn, this is not working." Like, what's wrong with me? And this. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, why do you think they have science experiments? Mm-hmm. Why do they, you think they, they do trials on stuff? Yes. Because stuff happens. Beautifully so. You have to try it and you have to fail. That failure doesn't mean it's the end all be all. It's just a failure until the next opportunity comes up. Ain't, ain't no losses, just lessons. Ain't just no losses, lessons. just lessons. Um. So with that, you know, yeah, you might be right there right now. But the, the fact that you still took took that step back and just realized like yo i'm here like all right while i'm while i'm here what am i doing Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like am i really maximizing the opportunity to like really like challenge myself to be better and really do things or whatever and like that passion for going out and doing more and not feeling complacent people gonna feel like you're complacent because they don't know what you're going on you know what i mean and they're so used to social media facing you got this going on you got that going on you got the podcast you got the rate um the the youtube videos you got the round table stuff you got your own personal stuff so when people see that there's so much going on in your life on a surface level and then all of a sudden it's just like it takes a step back Mm -hmm. they're like oh you're not doing enough or or you feel like oh you're not doing anything and you're like no i'm doing stuff it just may not be what you are used to shout out shout out to 24 karat dave who um he hit me up like last weekend he was like yo i miss you 
you got to post more. <laughs> and I was like, right, I'm coming. I'm coming with it. Yeah. Um, and like, that's like, I, I hadn't posted a picture since fucking October. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean shit. I posted shit on my story, whatever. I'm still alive. Um, but I do need a, cause I'm gonna get cute. Watch. I'm gonna get the braids. Y'all not ready. I'm getting my braids in April. And then the bod is going to be out. Yo, yo, yo. It's, it's about to be a legit there, There's traps for, for but days. I think 2020 is definitely going to be... Uh, it, it already is. I think we've learned a lot, what, three weeks in? Trust me, I have. You know, like... Because another thing that I felt like I was a little bit lacking in is, like, you know, when it comes to, like, relationships, mm-hmm. you know, um, like, amorous relationships. And now, like, I, I guess, like, I feel like I have more confidence because I have been going to the gym. And I feel like that confidence that I do have has attracted and it's crazy shoot your shot you know you got and you shoot your shot 2020 son shoot your shot that's and the move shoot your shot 2020 that's in life that's personally that's in relationships like go after what you want bro there's yeah. nothing to stop you but yeah man but yeah that's the move bro honestly fucking um, i'm also listening to 2020 experience by justin timberlake all year okay um shout out to the culture vulture but it's all good i love that album Shout out to Timbaland. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great album. The dual, it's a dual album, right? Yeah, yeah, part one and part two, both fire. Timbaland is on all over it. Um, that's why I love it, because Timbaland just goes in. And uh, Mirror, Suit and Tie, Tunnel Vision, fucking uh, Gotta Have It. Man, shit. Man. But yeah. I, um, I think this has been a great dialogue. Amazing, actually. Honestly. Um, it feels good to be back. I think it's been too long. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not gonna let this happen again. I mean, we say this every time. I know. <laughs> honestly, I feel like we're on our own timeline. Like, there's no rush. There's no pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's everything with the rest of the year or the model going forward. Is like there's no rush. There's no pressure. You're on your own timeline. So, you know, if it means getting an episode once a week or once every two weeks or once a month, hey. We're giving it to you. Facts. It's still on our timeline. Like we got lives to live. And like, just know that like you see that it takes us time to do some stuff. It's gonna take time for you to do some stuff exactly. too. So don't feel the pressure mm-hmm. um, because that pressure could end up just killing you. Well, but pressure does make diamonds. It does. And that's another thing. So pressure can be good and bad. It's all about balance. Balance. Find your balance. balance. God says this is my talent. Sprinkle a little season on the salad. Ooh, the way. Hey, taking <laughs> shots like the NBA. Shooting taking shots, shots like, like the NRA. NRA. You're a ring. You're a ring. <laughs> um, my, this has been beautiful. Uh, this is your boy, King Jules. You can follow me on all socials. I am King Jules across the board. You can follow me. Um, I am Church. You can follow me at No Church in the City um, on Instagram. Twitter is Marinara Sauce, but I only retweet there, so it don't even matter. Thank you guys for tuning in. We love you. Have a good 2020. Stay blessed. Drink water. And yeah, this is your boy Church. This is your boy King Jules. Thank you. Peace. Follow us on Instagram at Mogul Talk Podcast and on Twitter at Mogul Talk Pod. Be sure to find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, or Stitcher. Look us up in your search tab by typing in Mogul Talk. Thanks to our friends over at Anchor.fm. We're not able to accept listener support. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, head to our website at anchor.fm slash podcast and hit the Become a Supporter tab. From there, you can support the podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes as low as a dollar per month. We thank you and appreciate you in advance. Until next time, stay focused, stay motivated, and stay woke.